0: Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations
1: with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all
2: things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, everybody, welcome to Talking Buffalo, talking all things, of course, Buffalo. It is a blessing to be here on a Tuesday, even though we're taping this on Monday evening. I am Patrick Moran. Thank you, as always, for stopping through, whether it's on the video side, whether it's on the audio side. I am joined, as always, uh, for my Tuesday shows by my good friend, writer, podcaster, sports media personality, Detroit Lions fan. Uh, I can keep going. My man, Joe Yurden. What's up,
1: bud? Not much, man. It's... uh... Getting uh, catching my breath after that Super Bowl, man. That was that was some it was that good. was some kind of game. I know we're going to talk about it a little bit, but man, that was that was something else.
2: It was a great game. It, it was. I mean, an unsatisfactory. I mean, unless you're a Chiefs fan, you know what right. I mean. It kind of stunk the way the game ended, but did not lack for for drama and and for excitement. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. Got maybe one or two Bills related takeaways mm-hmm. from that game. Uh, let me get your thoughts on some of the entertainment, the musical entertainment. And went on, of course, we'll talk some Sabres. But I got to start with some wing talk, Joe, because for a second straight week last week, we talked about uh, I went to the Ridge in West Seneca, Mm -hmm. spent some time talking about that. Hit up two wing spots over the weekend. Both of them I've had, but neither I've had in a very long time. And of course, again, talking Buffalo, we're talking all things Buffalo, not just sports. That's right. So Saturday... While the Sabres were playing, actually, which, you know, we really don't want to talk much about that game. But uh, I went with my wife. At first, we went down to Buffalo River Works to, um, had Winterfest going on. It's, it's a back. I guess they did it last year, too. So I wasn't there last year, but it was huge, yeah. man. There was like 75 vending uh, merchant tables set up, clothes, knickknacks, artwork, stuff like that around the house. Of course, food and drink at mm-hmm. Buffalo River Works. And that was cool. So we, we spent some time there and then we went to uh Beltline Brewery. She had never been there before. And, and I have, and I know you have, and I got to tell you, I was tweeting about these. I, I threw up a picture this place and it's on, you know, where is it actually? It's, it's off Hamburg street. Uh, I don't know if it's on Hamburg. Kind of, like, yeah. yeah. I got to tell you, man, Joe, this place is, um, I, I I had them the first time, so I, I was there once before, and I actually taped the show there with Lance Lazowski, mm-hmm. your maintenance day uh, podcast partner, and um, we both enjoyed the wings. But it had been—I don't know—it's probably been about a year and a half, two years, maybe, since uh, I've been there. Yep. And I can confirm. it. sometimes you could go someplace and you can get great wings, and then they're not the same the next time, or you could go somewhere and you know the wings stink, you like, but then you go back there and they're really good again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I can confirm to you right now, without question, that to me, this is a top 10 wing place in all of Western New York. I think their wings are amazing. They have these all, uh, what the hell were they called? All dressed. All
1: dressed. Yeah. Just
2: yeah. So, I don't even know. And by the way, they won't tell me everything that's in there. But it's just like <laughs> some kind of concoction they throw together. The taste is amazing. The 716 wings, which is like their traditional sauce mm-hmm. type wing. I'm telling you it reminds me a little bit of barbell the way they tasted really mm-hmm. really really good man um now you've been to this place so I know you yeah. got some insight as well when it comes to uh to Beltline Brewery. talk yeah. about that a little bit man because i've uh know. it's what it's, what it's
1: been things? a it's been a few months since I went last time uh so I think our experiences were probably pretty similar mm-hmm. uh with with the wings but i got uh when we were there it was you know me and a you know, a couple of buddies were there just you know, hanging out having having a couple of beers and it was like oh they had like some kind of wing special so we're just like okay let's just grab some wings and and eat and like i remember you from when you were there before with lance and you saying mm-hmm. like wings are pretty good and i was like all oh, right pat says they're pretty good then they got to be pretty good so i got them and i was like oh baby these are these are something else i got this the 716 sauce which i think is uh it's like basically medium hot i think it is yeah yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, it was, it was dynamite and it's, it's a really good spot. And they, their food in general is really good. Like I'm like, they start making fries there, man. I want to get fries immediately.
2: Yes. I got fries too on Saturday. I forgot mm-hmm. to mention that. You're right. Holy shit. though, dude. dude There's some of the best fries I've ever had. I love mm-hmm. their fries. I've never had their hamburgers, but I, I saw yep. them like being, uh, you know, brought to other people who ordered them, I and they look good. I can't speak out of the burgers. I can only speak on the wings, but yeah, man these this place is so good, and mm-hmm. I almost feel like it's criminally i', I know I get so into this I get into, I'm passionate about this shit. I almost feel like they're criminally underrated this place like i there's a lot of people out there, I'll bet you who pride themselves on going to a lot of wing places in Buffalo mm-hmm. and having pretty strong opinions that have never been here. I I'm telling you now, folks, you're doing yourself a disservice. If you've never mm-hmm. been to this place for, for wings before now, I'm going to be fair. And I don't know if you have, if you've had beer there. Uh, I've had the beers there. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I've that's heard part of the reason to go. It's a brewery. So you know, right. I got to have the beers. Well, I've been there twice and I have not had the beers yet. What
1: I know. I know.
2: I know. I know. What, what are we even doing here? I get it completely. Understand. Like, no, no, no. What are
1: you
2: like? What are you drinking? Well, I, just, I just I just I think when I was with Lance, maybe it was because I was doing the podcast. I didn't I, I didn't have beer. You know what? Maybe I did have a beer. I'd have to ask Lance. I can't remember. I can't remember two weeks ago, <laughs> but I know I didn't have a beer this time. I didn't feel like I was just not in the mood to drink at all on Saturday. That's so I had, I just had a, I had a Diet Coke okay. and uh, my wife had a Bloody Mary, which she enjoyed very much. The Bloody Mary <laughs> come the wing in it. Uh, what's up? Did the Bloody Mary have a wing? No, it, didn't, it, didn't, did, not, it did not have a wing. It didn't, it
1: didn't do one of those things. Okay.
2: I, I feel like I owe it to the people because for whatever reason, I think people are more interested when I talk about wings, at least on Twitter and Facebook anyway, than they are about when I talk mm-hmm. about sports. They don't give a shit what I think about sports, but <laughs> I always get a lot of interactions when I put up anything about wings. So I feel, and I feel like I owe it to people to always be honest too, because, yeah. you know, I do this in fun and this is all in jest, but at the end of the day, you know, I don't want to lie to people. And say somewhere is great and then they stink, or you know, vice versa, right. just because I don't want to offend anyone. So I always try to respectfully be honest about these places, whether I like them or not. The biggest pros about um this place, again, the wings to me are top ten wings, they're just great. You mentioned the fries, the fries are awesome, reasonably priced. I think yeah. it was 34 bucks for a double order wings and their fries, which again is not great, but it is not horrible. And they do have some really good specials, by the way. So Wednesday nights. You get 20 wings and two beers, two Beltline Beltline beers, which I don't know. I've never had a Beltline beer. I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's like your specific brand. You know what I mean? So I don't know, but I looked at your specials, 25 bucks. Even if you got rid of the beers, 25 bucks or double order wings and fries in today's market is great. Mm -hmm. And then they have Sunday brunch, which I'm actually going to start doing this shit once in a while. 11 to 3, $20 bottomless mimosas. Oof. Or $5 Bloody Marys, and then they got some kind of beer special too, but $5 Bloody Marys or $20 Bottomless Mimosa. So I can go there and get my mimosa on and then have some wings at like 2 o'clock and have a stomachache for the next two and a half days. But anyway, there's so many things I like about this place. The only thing, and you and I talked about this, maybe mm-hmm. I've just been unlucky. I've been there twice, and both times I've been there it has been relatively busy and only one bartender. Okay. Um, one bartender, and there's nothing wrong with the bartender. I'm not criticizing her. Just mm-hmm. saying that there was only one bartender. And when there's a lot of people at the bar, man, you're trying to order food or drinks, it takes a while. So it was kind of annoying to, that it took as long as it did twice mm-hmm. now to be able to order food and get a drink or whatever. Honestly, though, that, that's it, man. Oh, and the yeah. parking sucks, which is pretty much I anywhere guess. around that area. The parking blows. It's not that big of a place, so it's not going to be that mob. So mm-hmm. you shouldn't have too much trouble. But we had to
1: park around the corner like on Swan Street. Yeah. So. Not great, yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's 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 like a neighborhood place, but it isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's in a, it's like it's in its own. It's not a standalone building, but it's just you know, it's just it's there. It's on the corner of it, Swan, and I forget what it is. But, I think it's Hamburg. I think Hamburg? I want to say it's yeah, Hamburg. That sounds right. But like, uh, yeah, I, 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 the last time I was there, it was very there. There wasn't a ton of people, uh, and there was only one bartender, so it was it was it was fine. Like we were able to get by, but. Uh, in the before times, you know, pre pandemic, being there for, for events or whatever, they would have two to two or three bartenders back there and somebody bust, you know, uh, bar backing and, and making sure right. you're getting glasses washed and all that stuff. So they they were able to take care of this. Obviously, everything's different now because, you know, there's a thousand different reasons, but sure. Um, but it would, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tough when there's one when there's one bartender on, and maybe they weren't expecting a crowd that day or something, or right. like that early, you know, what have you. Like then not you're a huge deal, like, oh, crap. Yeah, yeah like, I mean, you get stuck, just tip them nice. That's all.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you go nice to, all go to, the time. Anyway. Have a little bit of patience, when you go to a bar. You know what I mean? You oh, might exactly. have to wait a, a couple couple minutes for a drink. That's kind of a petty thing for me to be bitching about. Tell you what, though, I ain't going there for any more saber games. Oh, that's right. not gonna happen. <laughs> so I was at I was oh, at so I, It is. I was at Winterfest. <laughs> And not mm-hmm. paying them, I was loosely paying attention to the game because, I mean, there's like 10, you know, there's like a 1,000-foot fig screens all over Riverworks. Yep. And I'm loosely watching it as we're, you know, walking around all the vendor shops and stuff like that, and they got up to nothing. We, well, I swear to you, no change in scoring for the rest of the first period. We mm-hmm. get to uh, Beltline right before the second period, just as it's starting, order the food, get her Bloody Mary, sit at the table, and it goes from two nothing Sabers to four two Calgary in about what I don't know 10, 11 minutes or so. I was like Jesus uh, Christ, so five, I'm done. I'm I'm not minutes. gonna watch any Saber games at, at Beltline Brewery again. But it's five
1: minutes twenty two seconds it went from oh, two nothing to four two.
2: So it was really annoying to watch. It was and a high game
1: within twenty seconds. <laughs> two goals twenty seconds apart. Yeah.
2: Oh man, it was it, it was it was crazy. But yeah, we so. I had a really good time there. And again, for people who are watching this on, uh, on YouTube or like I said, if you're listening to this in podcast form, I can't not recommend enough to go to uh Beltline brewery and mm-hmm. try these wings. Joe agrees with me about these seven, one, six wings. That's their yeah. traditional, like kind of medium. hot. I think they're more than medium, but they're not quite hot. So I think medium yeah. hot is that blend mm-hmm. is perfect. I, I think they're really, really good. And yeah. I've said this a million times. It's, one thing to have this really unique specialty flavor, which is cool, but to me, I'll always judge first and foremost a wing place by their traditional wings. So their mm-hmm. traditional wings are good, very good, and uh, these all these all dressed wings. I'm just telling you, man they're they're next level. But you can't yeah. eat ten of them. The, the taste is so wild. It's like mix it up. Like maybe get half seven one six, yeah. half all dressed. That's what. My wife and I did, and uh,
1: I was gonna say, uh, all dressed. It's like the all dressed chips, where it's where it's like what it's like barbecue, salt and vinegar, ketchup, and something else. Yeah. Like it's it's all those flavors wrapped up into one. Really, it's a, it's a lot of flavor for a wing.
2: It really is. It, it's um, I think it's one of those wings where you're gonna love it or hate it. I know. I just like I said, I personally mm-hmm. loved it. So that wasn't even the end. And this is by the way. So this is Saturday around lunchtime, but this was not the end of my uh wing going adventure for wow. saturday because okay. later on saturday evening i went up to uh i went up to Wingnuts which is now Transit. located yeah, no it's on um military road in uh, uh military and i think on corner hindman maybe um okay. it's a Froth brewing company so it's oh, yeah. like in kenmore mm-hmm. it's in kenmore mm-hmm. i i went there to meet up with um Matt and, and Ryan Talbot, they were doing uh, the Shout Buffalo football podcast. They were doing a live show there on Saturday night. And I'm you know, I'm good friends with both these guys. Yeah. And uh, I never get a chance to go out and see. They do these live shows from time to time. And they always have them on Fridays when I'm stuck working and I can't get out. So they had it on Saturday. I said, all right, man, I'm going to go out. I'm going to meet these guys. Plus, obviously, I'm going to have wing nuts. I have not had wing nuts in quite a while. I had them a couple times early. Used to be in Kenmore, Knights at Columbus. It was like a cafeteria, which oh, yeah. was mm-hmm. really cool. And I really like that concept. Now, obviously, they've really grown by Holy leaps God. and bounds. They've become really, really popular. And they um now they're in, uh like I said, inside Froth Brewing Company, which is pretty cool because now it's a brewery and a mm-hmm. place to go eat wings. I'm going to tell you, man. And again, I owe it to people, Joe, to always be honest on this show, not always uh, going to say the popular thing that's, you know, sometimes I give myself a little bit of hot water, but these are good wings, okay? I don't want to say they're not good wings. They are good. There's mm-hmm. lots to like about them. They're huge. I mean, dude, they are freaking huge. They're big wings. The sauce is really, really flavorful. Um, quick, too, by the way. The way it is, it's weird. It's almost like fast food when you go in there. You order the wings at a counter, yeah, and they make so many because they're selling so many wings that they just sauce mm-hmm. them and get them out. Three minutes later, I have my wings. And they were wow. fully cooked, too, because they're crispy as shit. Wow. So there's that's okay. a like about them, but I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I think wing nuts and I gotta get into a little bit of trouble for this. I think they're a little bit overrated. Really? I do overrated only only because people like Josh Allen and Barstool Sports, the part mm. of my take crew, say that this is the best place in all of Western New York for wings. It's not. No. I that's don't sick. think it
1: is. They're stomping on your territory saying stuff like that, Pat.
2: Yeah, I, hey. (laughs) And I hate saying that because, again, I don't like to. They're good wings, but they're really. I'll give them this. They have the most unique wings in Western New York. No question about it. Mm -hmm. Because they're not breaded, although I used to think they were. Okay. I I was proving that they're not, though. There's like this cornstarch kind of flavor that they they put on. Yeah. And they taste, it makes them taste crunchier. Um, so they're different. They're unique. Some people love them. Some people don't, you know, or they hate them. It's kind of one of those. I don't think there's an in-between with them And but, and by the way, they're also expensive 20 bucks for a single order wings, Oof. 20 bucks. Even in this, even Oof. by today's standards, that is expensive 20 bucks. Uh, yeah, I, guess. It is. <laughs> now, I love the place. Again, the place was great Froth brewing company. It's, it's really cool, man. It was a really nice looking side. If you're watching this on YouTube, I got a picture up of what it looks like in the interior. Um, the, the the bar's up front, plenty of tables mm-hmm. to sit at. Um, again, you could order your food quick. And also another little low-key thing, and probably for a beer drinker like you, just don't mean shit. But <laughs> if you like water like I did, at least on Saturday, mm-hmm. you got to bother, keep bothering servers asking for water. They have pitchers of water all over the place. You can just grab a, a plastic yeah. cup and refill your shit up with water. And again, I'm not dissing nuts. I'm not saying Wingnuts is... Shitty. When I say that they're overrated, I only say that they're overrated in terms of uh I just don't think that they're the best. And a lot of people, including our quarterback, who is great as he is on the football field, I think has some really shitty food takes. Mm-hmm. Talk about Josh Allen, of course, because I, I think he said Farrell's Pizza is, is the best pizza he's Wait, had. I'm like, place? that shit is crazy, man. <laughs> which place did he say was the best? Farrell's. Farrell's. It's in West Seneca. Oh, um, we're the Planet Fitness Little Plaza is, mm-hmm. I think he's out of his mind when he with that take. I think that's horrible. <laughs> and he says Wingnuts is the best. And again, I'm, or Bar Bill, um, nice. I just, I just, oh, I don't. Wing Wingnuts is still a top ten place for me. Just, I just said yeah. Beltline. It's weird because I'm saying Beltline Brewery is a top ten place, mm-hmm. and I'm praising it to no end. And then I'm saying Wingnuts is a top ten place, but it also feels like I'm dissing it. Yeah, you know what I'm
1: saying? But it's only because yeah. I just don't think that they're the best. I don't think they're in that top two or three. I been I been over to froth, and I I did see that like wingnuts was over there. I was like, oh wow, that. I was like, that kind of makes sense because froth is pretty popular. Uh, the the beers are uh, the beers are pretty good. I'm not big into sours. They do sours like like mad there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big thing for them. Some of them are pretty damn good. Like they do some some wild uh, flavors with with that, which sounds weird to say for you know beer flavors, but uh, that's totally the stuff they do. But I saw it was wingnuts. I was like, oh cool. I was like. Maybe I'll get some and Then I saw it was it was it was uh, 1840 for 10 wings. I was like, no, I'm just sorry. No. I, I mean, it's again like that. It's not me being cheap. It's just me saying like, listen, it's terrible I came, value. I came here to have some beers, but like 20 bucks for for some wings, man. Like they better they better blow my pants off if they're going to cost that much.
2: You go there and you get a single order of wings and just one beer. And if even if you just leave a two or three dollar tip, you're talking 30 bucks. Yeah, for one beer and a single order of wings—that's that's a lot of money for wings. Yeah, that's like dinner. That's something like steak dinner price territory. Do you know what I mean? It's um. Now, in fairness to them, I will say their wings are pretty—they're bigger than anywhere else. Yeah. So I mean, you are paying more, but you're also getting ten big
1: ass wings. So I I, I, Mm -hmm. give them some credit for that. Yes. Long as the big wings, like that's I I can I can stomach it a (laughs) little. What a the pun. sauce. I can it better. Yeah.
2: The sauce is great. Matt Perino convinced me to try a mild, and I smirked at him. I'm like, "What are you mild? What mild? But but but, but they they were flavorful, and they tasted. Okay. They were they had a little bit of a kick to them for being a mild. They had a a, a little bit of a kick to them. I That's got Cajun. Their Cajun was pretty hot. I mean, it was virgin nice. on hot. Um, Ryan Talbot got me to try some sriracha. Ah, uh, goddamn! I'm drawing a blank. It was sriracha garlic, Racha, honey? something, honey, garlic, sriracha, oh, okay. honey, garlic, which was actually, those were the best. I tried like four different flavors of wings mm-hmm. with those guys, and those were the best. Again, I'm not really dissing right. wing nuts. I do think they're very good. I just don't think that they're the best. So if you think they're yeah. the
1: best, I guess, or the top, yeah. even two or three, then I do consider them a little bit overrated. I feel like uh, sometimes for, for things like that, I have to mentally prep myself for what the cost is going to be because the price is coming down at some places. And some places are are doing specials like, and they're not wing specific places. Let's let's I'll be straight up about that. Uh, like for football games, uh, Thin Man was doing dollar wings, which I'm like, okay, cool throwback. Uh, for the Super Bowl, I know resurgence uh, was they they had like their own gathering there. They were making like Philly cheesesteaks and whatever, but you yeah. could get wings for seventy five cents a piece, and I'm like, okay, like seventy five cents a piece, they can be kind of crappy, and I can live with it. Like that's right. you know you can deal with it there, but. Uh, but when you're talking 20 20 bucks, 20 bucks, bucks two bucks a wing, a lot of money, man, tough. (laughs) Like, like I'll, I'll get them at some point, but I have to like go in knowing like, okay, I'm dropping 20, 20 bucks on this, (laughs) but like, it's also like, it's setting an impossible Well, It's not impossible, but it's a, it's a much higher standard to say, like, if I'm paying 20 bucks for these, these better be incredible.
2: I could, I couldn't agree more. And again, one more time, it's a, it's a great, fr- the, the, the brewery itself is really cool. The restaurant is it's really awesome. cool. And the wings are good. I mean, again, they're very good. If you have not yeah. had wing nuts yet, which I don't think there's many people at this point who haven't had them. Mm-hmm. And if there are, it's been because they're not easy to locate or get to, but now they are actually inside a, it used to be really hard to, you would just have to pick them up, you know, like kind of like Macy's Place Pizzeria. There's not really anywhere to sit down. Now mm-hmm. there is. And um, I would definitely suggest going there. They're good. I just, again, yeah. for me personally, and we all, you know, food is subjective. All food's subjective. Oh, sure. I love the sauce. love the size. It's just not a huge fan of the way the wing, itself with the cornstarch yeah. or whatever it is. It's just, for me personally, it doesn't work for me all that much. Anyway, all right, real quick here, before we get into some Buffalo Bills and some uh, Saber stuff, Super Bowl was on Sunday. Again, we're taping this Monday evening. We don't really talk about the game. We, the game was the game. Yeah. I, I do want to hear your thoughts, though, on uh, some of the musical performances. Because, obviously, yeah. I have a couple. We're talking, you know, Rihanna at halftime, of course. Uh, Chris Stapleton did the national anthem. I don't know if you caught Babyface. Babyface baby yeah. performed uh, America the Beautiful. What
1: What were your thoughts on some of these performances? Well, I I, I saw all three of them. Uh, we didn't change the chat. I was... Okay, uh, name dropper Joe over here. I was I was hanging out with Dan Dunlevy and his wife watching the game. Uh, oh, every cool. night. So they they had they had a little you know had some food together and stuff. And I hadn't got to hang out with them for a while, so I went over for the game. And uh, you know we're you know had the TV on from get go uh, over there, and I see Babyface come up. I go, wow, there's a name from the past. I and like hearing him perform. It's something I don't remember having happened in a long time because he's a big producer. At least he was, anyways. Like he produced so many hit makers. What late nineties, two thousands? Like he was just a machine. Um, And then you forget, like he made his name by by performing. Like that's how he that's how he got out there. But he just got he got that producer itch, and then he you know started winning Grammys all over the place. But. um thought that was really nice it was a really nice like soulful version of that uh of the song i thought that was i thought that was really cool um it, you, you like having like a different sort of tone with with performances like that not the anthem itself but like you know america the beautiful cool do something do something cool with it like i mean nobody's gonna do it as cool as ray charles ever did it but like you know. want to hear something crazy about babyface show what's that
2: 63 years old man Kid, Get- <sighs> he's 63 i'm looking oh, i had to great. look it up as you're talking i'm like because I've been a big babyface fan for a very long hey. time, going back to the 90s. Yeah. I knew he was older. But he's Come he's, 50, on. he's 63. He's going to be 64 in early April.
1: Wow. that's didn't Wasn't he the guy who produced uh, the Boomerang soundtrack? Wasn't that like him? I know. I'm
2: pretty sure he had something to do with it, man. He produced Tony Braxton. He's, he's done, God, I can go on forever. Man. He's, been, right, he's done a lot of producing. And, of course, his own yeah. hits.
1: Right. Anyway. 16, 16, but yeah, like that. 63. Damn it. That kills me. Uh, but I but I yeah, no, I thought it was a I thought it was an awesome performance. Chris Stapleton, listen, I, I'm not a country fan by any stretch, but Chris Stapleton is a damn good singer. He's crushed it. he's incredibly good. And what a version of the anthem. Holy smokes. He's I mean, what was he? Was he uh was he uh he wasn't like an American idol guy, was he? He just he just kind of no. came out of nowhere, right? Nah, he.
2: he, he I, I'm not a big enough country music fan to know his life story well to, to really speak on it. He wasn't on a reality show or something like that, so he okay. kind of—I don't know if he came out of nowhere, or if he'd been paying his dues on the country circuit and you know the little mom and pop bars through the years. But he's exploded he in recent Years doing so. that, like yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah,
1: small clubs and places like that. Because I swear, and you know, maybe again it's just me, you know, making stuff up in the back of my mind. But it's like I swear he was doing like small places around Albany. Like, he'd do tours and he'd just play at whatever city and like there'd be like two or three pl- spots around the area. And he'd just be like, I'll hit all of them, do every single one of them. And then, you know, then it was like, he had a big album and it was like, Oh no, this guy's going to be a monster. So yeah, he was phenomenal. I loved it. Yeah. Um, that was, yeah, that was, that was, yeah. And it's the, the anthem is the, is like, that's the tough one to do. Cause I mean, it's, it's a, it's an impossible song. A, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's basically like a 1700s drinking song essentially. But, um but but extremely serious uh but uh but you know to to do it and to do it in a way where you're just kind of like whoa all right man okay you got it like that it, every anthem version gets compared like all the time like that's that's just how it that's just how it goes yeah and uh yeah to be able to to, to i mean geez i i don't want to rank i'm not going to rank all of them but like that's a top 10 that's a top 10 hit for me Easy. Like that's easy top 10, maybe top five. Easy. What about Rihanna? Rihanna was, oh man, like I'm, I can't say I'm like a big fan. I am a fan. I'm not, but like I don't get the albums. I don't, I don't get it. She's not your idol. Yeah. You're not obsessed. Right now. (laughs) Some are. She's an incredible performer. Like just everything about what, like how she handles her stuff. Like just awesome. And the, Everything with the stages and, the you know, lifting up the stages and everything with the setup, like it was, I mean, it was so bright, you know, she's in bright red, everything else is like bright white. And, this, you know, the performances, things like that with like the performances, sometimes it's, I can get caught up in the like, well, they're not actually singing. Because uh, sometimes the choreography is is much more important for some of these, right. like <laughs> after the game, we went back and watched uh Michael Jackson at Super Bowl, what 27, I think it was, uh, with Buffalo and Dallas. And like everything that he did for that was all lip sync because of you know it was all the album cuts because he's dancing and he's doing all of his stuff. And you're like, yeah. well, Matt, I get the but more
2: the, the more they dance and perform, the more lip syncing is right. going on.
1: And, like, I I I'm not gonna hate on that. You do what you gotta do, but man oh man, like but like her voice is incredible. She's an yeah. unbelievable singer. And like just she owns the spotlight man she's awesome like that was that's a that's a that's a halftime performance that's like an all that's one of the all-timers like you're gonna remember that for good reasons for because even if you don't know a lot of the songs you knew enough of those to be like oh oh that's her okay and then the thing i like though like a lot of a lot of stuff she does is like duets or like you know you know appearing on other songs or whatever a lot of them yeah she just jumped on, did her part from that song. It was like, whatever, next song, let's go. And I was like, all right, that's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty
2: good. Like, Yeah, that. I I I enjoy her a lot as well. Um, yeah, to your point, it was clearly, because I went back, by the way. I mean, I had a, so I hosted a Super Bowl party at my house on Sunday. And there mm. was a, oh, it was a good 15 people or so. Now, you know how it is. We got a bunch of people talking over each other, having a couple pops. And you, mm. you're listening, you're watching, but you know, you're not really completely dialed in a hundred percent. So I yeah. went back on Monday morning and I actually watched on YouTube. I found the babyface um mm-hmm. performance and I found the anthem and, and I watched Rihanna's entire performance. Although, and I i on the NFL's official YouTube account, which by the way, one quick little edit that they did, um I I did like Rihanna's performance. I don't I couldn't care less that she laid down the musical track before it's not really lip syncing. What they do is they play no, they re- they- their live rehearsals they record their this is what i've heard now they record mm-hmm. their live rehearsals before the day before two days before the super bowl yep. and they play that track and then they sing over sometimes they might lip sync sometimes they'll sing over it you know what i mean yep. it's kind of like their safety net for when right. they're performing and the people like uh like michael jackson and rihanna and bruno mars are moving around a lot more they're the ones yep. who are more using it as opposed to somebody who's just sitting in front of a piano or right. like a rock band, like you know, like when you like performed, yeah, yeah, that was, was there was no yeah. lip singing going on with that, at least to my knowledge. Anyway, yeah, but anyway, so that doesn't bother me at all. I thought she was very good. Um, oh, don't get me wrong, that, it didn't bother
1: me either. Like, I'll just I was that. a little, I was, just, I was just commenting on it, but yeah,
2: yeah, I was a little bit surprised that, and you, you hit, you hit the the nail on the head. You said it. She's been collaborating with so many big stars forever. And I was waiting at some point, and maybe, you know, I don't have a I don't know if I should be disappointed or not, but I was surprised, I should say, to not see like when she did Umbrella. I was waiting for Jay Z to do the intro like he does on the record. Mm-hmm. And I know Jay Z was at the game because they showed him on TV and during the yep. pregame, or, you know, like her IMM to come out, or just so many other artists that she has collaborated with. So I was a little bit surprised that she didn't do that. Um, the other thing, too, and, and, it is floating around. This is what I said. I'm gonna pull it up on the YouTube side. At one point, she grabbed her crotch. I'm just gonna say oh, it. Yeah. All right, she grabbed her crotch and she put up to her her mouth and nose and smell. And I thought that was like kind of raunchy, you know. <laughs> this was a kind of like you know an eloquent, really futuristic type of performance. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why? <laughs> Which, by the way, again on the NFL YouTube, that's nowhere to be. That's that got cut. <laughs> That got cut. So the stuff that's floating <laughs> around on YouTube, at least the official yeah. stuff, mm-hmm. they they cut that out. I thought that was kind of unnecessary. It didn't really have that kind of oh. performance. But all in all, the choreography, again, the choreography was top notch. I mean, it yeah. was really, it was elite. It was great. Babyface was cool too. Very understated. Again, I'm a huge, huge, huge Babyface fan. I was fine with it. It was none special, but it's not supposed to be anything special. He said, no, with so the guitar, you, <laughs> a guitar. And he just put on a really, but the highlight for me without question was was. Definitely Chris Stapleton. I'm telling you right now. I mean, Whitney will probably always be number one for me mm-hmm. just because I, I, you know how much I love Whitney Houston and just, uh, you know, the the moment, the fact that the bills are playing in it too, but yeah. I, I got to tell you, man, that the,
1: stuff, right?
2: Chris yeah. Stapleton for me is probably top five, four, and maybe even higher. He mm-hmm. might even be top two or three. I mean, I'd really, when I listened to it today on Monday, I was so blown away. I'm like, this it was a flawless mm-hmm. vocal performance. And then good camera work by Fox to catch uh Nick Cerriotti, the that coach for Philly, crying on yep. the sidelines, which he said leading up to the game that he remembers growing up in western New York and Whitney singing, and just he always wanted to be in that moment in the Super Bowl on the sideline with the anthem. So got mm-hmm. emotional thinking about that. But uh yeah, all in all, really cool stuff.
1: Um see, this got me looking back at like who else has done it in in the past and i'm just kind of like because i'm forgetting a lot of them like a lot a lot a lot a lot of them yeah <laughs> and i always, always. Uh, yeah i'm just going back i'm like wow they did wow okay they did that <laughs> I'm like, Oh wow oh she did wow that's cool yeah. i just so many of them that i just it just like went right out of my mind i just don't remember
2: sometimes less is is better and like yeah. you didn't over sing you know you didn't leave any notes hanging forever and i really like that it just though good old fashioned redneck, rip it up, sing the anthem. And I, and I absolutely loved it. And for the couple jerk offs out there on the political side who had to made this, I don't even want to say her don't name that. to give her any recognition, yeah, but one very radical politician had to start talking yeah. about the wokeness of the hat. Yeah. I'm like, we know what you're trying That's to say. That. Shut up! You're a piece yeah. of shit. Yeah, it was. It was. They were all enjoyable performances. And again, I'm just really, really high on Chris Stapleton. I, I just thought that was a, yeah. a spectacular performance. And I bet you he won a lot of new fans. I will bet you there's a lot of people before the Super Bowl knew very little or nothing about him that are probably going to go listen to his catalog of music after this. Did it yep. with Rihanna. I mean, that's why they do this. They don't get paid for it. Rihanna didn't get paid for this. They mm-hmm. get a budget to put their show together, but yep. sometimes the, it goes over that and they spend their own money. But the recognition and the you know, just people know more about her, they'll, they'll, they'll gain fans anyway. Uh
1: Now, uh, I, well, now uh, I know you don't remember. uh I mean, maybe you don't. I don't. But I had to look up who, aside after Whitney, who the next three from the Bill's Super Bowls were. I I will I will buy your next round of wings if you can tell me all three.
2: I won't even be able to name one of them without <laughs> having to spend a lot of time thinking about it. However, I am intrigued, and this is a... This is a fun fact for the podcast. Let us have it, man. Who who were the three? I'm going to make a clip out of this, too, (laughs) because most people don't. Name the three performers after Whitney for the National Anthem songs.
1: Okay, so yeah, so Whitney was Super Bowl 25. Super Bowl 26 was Harry Connick Jr. Okay, I I remember it now. I I blanked out with that one. Uh, Super Bowl 27 and Rose Bowl Pasadena. Now, we mentioned that Michael was the halftime performer. Yeah. Garth Brooks did the National Anthem. Can you really? Can you imagine going? To, A, you're at the Super Bowl, and then Garth Brooks is doing the national anthem, and then Michael Jackson's doing the friggin' halftime. Are you kidding me? That is crazy, and I Good. did not know that. Wow, yeah. wow! Yeah. Garth did the
2: national anthem, I do not
1: remember that. What about the last one? And then Super Bowl 28 was Natalie Cole, which that's pretty freaking cool. I do remember that. Now here's the worst part: if you were at Super Bowl 29, you got Kathy Lee Gifford. Unfortunately, what? <laughs> yes, I don't remember that. Yeah.
2: She sang the national yeah. anthem.
1: Yeah, yep. Super Bowl <laughs> so, Thirty was Buffalo's own Vanessa Williams too. So so we yeah.
2: had Whitney, we had Harry Connick Jr., we yep. had Garth, and then o- and, and then was and Cole. then Nat King Cole. Oh, Wow, that's no, a, no, no Nat King well, Cole's daughter. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm Nat Cole. Wow, yeah. that that's really cool, man. Useful so, information that's, here that's, on talking Buffalo, quartet. man.
1: Like that's that's. <laughs> Four. That's four really impressive singers.
2: Let's take a real quick break. Come back on the other side. I got a couple of Bills takeaways from this Super Bowl, and then I will talk some sabers with Joe Yurden.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform.
2: All right, I'm back with the Jilliard. And so let me ask you this. Or if you have one or two big takeaways from the game, I, I have one in regards to the Bills, and I tweeted about this. And mm-hmm. but I'm just gonna read the tweet that I wrote, and I put this out Monday morning. Um, my one big takeaway from watching the game, whether it's Andy Reid or Eric Enemy, whatever offensive coaching combinations out there, they put out a masterclass of a, a play calling and scheme mm-hmm. of guys open in the second half. Um, it was poetic to watch. Yeah. And I said the gap between the Buffalo Bills and Kansas city is more on the sidelines than it is on the field. And I truly believe that after watching that super bowl, I mean, Dan Ovalowski on ESPN on Monday morning. I don't know if you've seen any of the clips, but anyway, he broke down both Kansas city touchdowns in the second half that ultimately won them the game. Yep. And he showed motion in the way Philly would react to it. And then they came back with the same play yep. and Philly did the same thing. And the coaches from Kansas city knew that was coming. And I mean, you're not going to get easier touchdowns than Sky Moore and Darius Tony got. Yeah. No uncontested guys is catching the ball and going in the end zone. And it was just mm-hmm. because of scheming up plays. And again, I, I always and ultimately. knowing t- tendencies, too. Like, that's I, the other part of it. Yes, I always. And by the way, it was a great Philadelphia defense that they completely yes. abused, especially yes. in the second half on Sunday. Patrick Mahomes did not get sacked one time the whole game. Mm-hmm. Cobbled Patrick Mahomes, who got hurt Ballard. again late in the first half, too. <laughs> Right. But from a Bills perspective, because it's always for me, anything always ends up yeah. coming back to the Buffalo Bills. That's where I get stuck on And I think of the Bills offense and just the lack of creativity and imagination and guys in motion and going back to things that work and figuring stuff out and second half adjustments. And Andy Reid is a Hall of Fame coach. And I think he's pretty much, to me at least, anyway, I don't know about you, but to me, he's in the conversation amongst being the greatest coaches ever. I and mean, then he's an offensive genius. Yep. And you can't expect Ken Dorsey in one year to to no. rival his knowledge of the no. game, you know, in the offenses. I understand that. A lot of people are pointing that out on Twitter. Mm. But I also don't want to hear any excuses either. The Bills' offense was bland when you really think about it. Like Kansas City's scheme of guys open Joe all over the place, and it's like with the Bills, it seems like their identity, their scheme, and their offense is okay. Josh Allen, go out there and be great. Right, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. that was my biggest takeaway. I don't know if you have a one similar, or you want to speak on that, or just talk yeah. about the game itself. Like, what was your biggest takeaway watching the game?
1: I was. It showed that I didn't drink enough beer during the game because I was very lucid, like picking things out. Because, because uh, when Sky Moore scored, because uh, Tony's touchdown was first, right? It was Tony then Moore. I think it was. Um, was I think it was the other way around. Okay, I think it was uh, more than Tony. I think whichever it was. The first one happens, I'm like, wow, that's what a great place. And the guy in motion shakes mm-hmm. him off, and then like they think he's gonna keep going, and then he's not, and then he's just a wide open. Uh, because whatever the assignment was, the guy that followed him was not the guy that was going with him. Uh, and then it happens again, and I'm like, wow, they yeah. they felt and it was on the other side of the field, though. Like it went the other way. And I was mm-hmm. like, Wow, they, they bit on that twice. That's incredible. And then the the you know, the play everybody's gonna remember the Super Bowl for the whole, you know, the, the defensive holding play. That was the same exact thing with a different receiver because it was it was Juju Juju Smith Schuster in motion that time, and he did the same thing. And this time, uh, what was it? Uh, Bradbury? Yeah, Bradbury. Yeah, Bradbury. He recognized it just too late to the point where Schuster started going in motion. Then he started taking off, and he's like, "Oh shit, I got well." Like he because he's going in motion because he's like, "All right, just got to go this way." And then. Schuster starts taking off the other way. And he's like, okay, well got to, got to grab him. Got to hang on. Got to make sure I stay with him. Cause we can't get beat like that three times in a game. It's not going to happen, which they recognized it because there's a safety too far back too deep to do anything with the, with the play. But Bradbury realized it right away. He's like, Oh shit, I gotta, I gotta get him because it's a walk-in touchdown otherwise. And the fact that they were able to do it three, you know, basically three times in the game is incredible to me because that's, it was, it's the fact that knowing that they could do it and be knowing that, knowing what Philly's defense, like what they, you know, how they run things. And if they get that look, they're like, okay, this is what we can do. Cause everybody, I mean, both touchdowns, the defense bit the complete other way. Like everybody went to that side of the field. Like, like "Ah, balls going there, strong side. Nope. Dumped it out. Weak wide open, walk in touchdown. And watching that happen and just knowing that they were they found something in that Philly D to 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 just pick on and use it when they were in close enough to score. I don't know that that's that's just doing your homework, being smart about it and keeping it in your pocket for when you really need it in in those situations. Like that's that to me just shows how prepared they were for that. And you know the the halftime adjustments, all that stuff. That's so impressive. And the the other thing that I was having a laugh about was and this was on Philly's part. Philly offense. Pat, did you notice what they did every time they had a fourth and one play Philly? Yeah. Yeah. Jalen hurts, right? Every did time they got near the goal line too. Did, did you notice what they never, never really did? They, they did. it once. Did you notice what they didn't do in any of those situations? They yeah. didn't do a goddamn hard count to try and draw them offside to get the first down. Just complete confidence. You're going you to tell me, and this goes back to what we were talking about. Before the season even started, about the Bills, you get to tell me you can't have Devin Singletary and, like, you know, uh, wh- whoever else in the backfield get, get Gilliam back there and shoving Josh Allen in from behind and shoving him past the line. You get to tell them they can't, you, they can't ever do that. Just like an automatic first down. They, they did it sometimes. That. Like, that's everything it sometimes. I said they should do all season. Just do that.
2: 100%. They never did. 100% you're right. It's almost like, they didn't want to run the play it's too much. Such an easy thing. Like, like, they can only run it so many times. <laughs> I agree They with did you. it every time. They beat them every time. There's an all-pro D tackle in there. That dude couldn't do shit. I like, was I was very jealous watching this game again because I'm I ultimately turned it into a Bills thing for me. I was very jealous of the coaching. Both sides. Philadelphia's aggression. Like they, it was incredible. It was like third and five or something like that for midfield. And they ran the ball. And it's like they ran the ball because they, they were never going to not go for it on fourth down. Right. If they didn't get it. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It was just and no hesitation either. Kansas yep. City with the, with the adjustments. You know, for years and years and years, you hear about Travis Kelsey. Oh, everyone, in the, everyone in the stadium knows he's getting the football. Everyone watching on TV knows he's getting the football. How does mm-hmm. he get so open? Well, right. because they scheme him open. you know, nope. mm-hmm. misdirections, play action passes. They go to some, they give you certain different looks, and then they switch it up. They find ways to get him the football, no matter what. And you look at Stefan Diggs with the Bills and Stefan being very frustrated at the end of the year for good reason, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's because they don't do enough to find ways to get him the ball. If, if a team wants to try to shut you down, get him lined up in the slot more, get him in motion more. There's so many things you could do. Mm-hmm. But the Bills just don't seem to do that. So between Philadelphia's coaches being aggressive and Kansas City's just being just unbelievable at adjustments. I mean, God, I yeah. can't say it enough. It's just... That's my biggest takeaway from the game. And congratulations, by the way, to the Chiefs. They lose Tyreek Hill. And everyone, I know I was Everybody talking about this hurt. team might not even win their division this year. Mm-hmm. They might be in a fight to get in the playoffs. because You got the Chargers, you got the, the, the Broncos just trade for Russ Wilson. The, the, the Raiders, the, the Raiders Devontae. get Devontae yeah. Adams, all the talk. And then the, the Chiefs lose. Oh, they're playing for the future now. You know, they're worried about a couple years from now. Well, guess who just won the Super Bowl? <laughs> and this is no disrespect to. Josh Allen, just like the ditto with Joe Burrow or anyone mm-hmm. else in this league right now. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL period. Mm-hmm. End of story. What's it? Six seasons in the league. He's got two Super yeah. Bowls now. Five as a starter, by the way, two MVPs, two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs. He is already on that like top five to seven list of all time. Great yeah. quarterbacks. If your boy retires tomorrow. He's going in the hall of fame five years from now. Mm-hmm. And again, When you compare Josh, Josh can, on any given day, can go play for play with him, and he has. We saw and he can do it in the playoffs, too. It's not like some fluky regular season game. Mm -hmm. So I'm not dissing Josh. Josh is great. But when you're comparing a quarterback to one of the best, and maybe by the time he's done the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL, you might fall a little bit short. The difference between Josh Allen and anyone else, and Pam Mahomes, is Josh can go on and beat you on any given day because he's a phenomenal player. but. Mm -hmm over the course of 17 games in the playoffs nobody is going to be consistently as good wart free mm-hmm. as Patrick Mahomes and that's just it's just unbelievable how good this guy is man
1: that's why like uh when they lost to uh when they lost to Cincinnati in the AFC Championship last year and you know they lose to Tampa in the Super Bowl and like Everything about those games was the the Tampa one was because they couldn't block for him because they had, you know they had three linemen out they couldn't stop Tampa's pass rush like Mahomes had 0.3 seconds to do anything with the ball yeah like okay Kansas City went out and fixed that immediately in the off season like okay that's not gonna happen again and Cincinnati schemed up found a way and Mahomes had an off day without a doubt throws you know throws an interception whatever sure and and you know like you take away Tyreek Hill you bring in a bunch of like kind of role player sort of sort of receivers and a bunch of guys that were, they have skill and you can just kind of throw them in there and they'll figure it out. Plus you still have Kelsey and the old and the old line is together and gelled and like, they've got their act together. Like they were chew, They were chewing off runs like crazy too. Like Chico had a great game, they had a great game. Sure. Great game. Even Jarek McKinnon, uh, you know, a handful of plays and he had, a, you know, they couldn't stop him. They couldn't he they always, couldn't, he, he always contributes. Sure. Yeah. Right. So, It's, you know, it's, you you look at how they played and like nobody got near Mahomes. And when he, and when they did, he got out, he got away. Like he chews off that, what, 30 yard run in the fourth quarter. And you're like, okay. Like it's like once the, you know, Philly finally got sort of in the backfield and he just ran away and there's nobody there to pick him up. And it's like, you know, how you get, you know, why you got to waste the spy on somebody who's got a bum ankle? And then this guy takes off and runs out for almost 30. Like, it's just, just a, it was just a perfect performance in the second half. Like I it was, it's. I'm trying to think of other Super Bowl performances like that in close games because blowouts, like whatever, you know. Joe Montana lights up the Broncos in a 55-10 game. Of course he did. Like of course right. he did. You know, um, but in a game where it's tight like that, to see a guy just, and don't forget he's hurt. I mean, he was clearly hurt too. So oh yeah, like, way like, less than a hundred percent. That when he went to the sideline on the first half and he's just like in pain, you're like, Oh boy. He might be done. Like, is Chad is any time for the second half and Philly's yeah. gonna run away with this? Like yeah. it's wild. But I mean, geez, man. It it's it's incredible to see something see somebody play like that and realize you're watching greatness and just be like that, that dude. Like, it's it's Brady like, you know, you'd see Brady just finding ways to win. You're just like, geez, this freaking guy can't stop him. And then Mahomes is the same
2: thing. I got, I got to be honest with you, man. Going, going into the season, the real part of me, maybe Tiber said to me that said, if there's one thing about Mahomes that I'm not sold on, is that he's, all, he's always had Kelsey and he also had Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill scares the shit out of defenses, none more so than Leslie Frazier and the Buffalo Bills because we've seen it multiple times how much right. the, the Bills would back off and how they played Tyreek Hill. They were horrified of him. And so are a lot of other teams. So yeah. anyway, I'm like, all right, well, you got you know arguably the best receiver, one of the best receivers in the league. And you got the best tight end, one of the best ever to play the game. Then they get rid of him. But this year, instead of just, you know, just chuck the ball to Tyreek and watch him run for 80 yards for a touchdown, they grinded their way to a lot of scores, a lot of mm-hmm. close games, a lot of drives that they had to grind their way because they don't have Tyreek Hill. So they had to rely on like Marquez, Valor, Scanling, and Hardman, and, and Juju, you know, all, all these other guys. And it was a lot more about methodically going up and down the field without having mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill. And they go and they win the Super Bowl. I got to say, though, Mahomes is great as he is. I don't think, and this is nothing against him, but maybe he's not as great of a quarterback if he doesn't have Andy Reid as his head coach. Because this guy's just a genius. I don't know, man. Maybe I think a little bit more highly of this guy than you do. Is he on a short list to you right now when it comes to like the, the greatest coaches maybe ever in the history of the NFL? I
1: look at I look at his whole resume going back to before he landed in Philly when he was well, he was a uh, Green Bay offensive coordinator, wasn't he? Green Bay or San Francisco? Uh, they, I I, uh, you know what? I guess I'm drawing a blank, man. Was it both? Could it, could he have been? No, I'm thinking of Paul Holmgren or, uh, no, uh, Mike Holmgren. Sorry. Um, but, uh, but Reed was somewhere else before Philly. And I, I'm, I refuse to look it up right now. <laughs> I just don't, I, I don't want we'll like,
2: everyone take our word hardest, for it. It don't matter. We're not not it Philly. Up, whatever.
1: But like, but I mean, his whole career, he's just been a solid offensive mind. And, you know, like the job he did in Philly was really good. He was a really good coach for the Eagles, too. Uh, but what he's done in Kansas City, and it's it's you could I don't know, it's it's something where you could say, you know, Mahomes is good because of Reed, but I don't know, Reed's smart enough to design an offense where that he knows his quarterback is gonna be able to handle. I mean, he's Andy Reed's not exactly a a system coach where it's like this is my offense, I'm gonna stick with it no matter what. Like right. he's he's not exactly the type that's gonna do that. Like if he's got guys where he's like, Okay, let's let's get a little bit more interesting with this. Because uh, he was able to do some some of this stuff with Donovan Mc, McNabb back in the day, you know McNabb wasn't uh, McNabb obviously wasn't as good, but he was mobile. He could get around the pocket, sure. and he could make some things make some things happen there. But it's uh, it's something else to see a guy who could be set in his ways because he's been around forever. I mean, he's been around a long. You know, we're talking twenty years here as a coach, um, where he could just be set in his ways and just tell Mahomes like, "No, you're going to do it this way," and then you know, have him handle it that way. And then maybe you're not getting the best of him, but, uh but to be able to, ha- to put it together, to, to know what his, to know what he can do and, and you know, the kinds of things that he can, that he can do in an offense and to make it so that he can play at his best. That's just smart. That's just smart coaching. Like if you got a weapon that can do things very particular, put it to use. And that's what he's, that's what he's been so good about with, with Mahomes. Cause let's face it. If, if, if Andy Reid's not the coach in Kansas City when Mahomes, when they draft Mahomes and do all that, you know, does it turn out the same way? Like, what if, you know, what if his coach is, I don't know, like, not an offensive guru? Let, let's say, you know, if it's some, you know, if it's some defensive minded like guy, say it's Todd Bowles, like, sure, you know, is Todd Bowles going to get the same use out of him? No, 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 probably not. Right. Like, it's, it depends on his OC, but I don't know, just having Andy Reid and whoever he picks to be his OC and, you know, Eric Bieniemy with his style of offense, man, like, just Put it to use. Just go crazy with it.
2: <laughs> By the way, I, I couldn't resist when you were uh, talking. I did go and look it up. And you were right. You were <laughs> right. Was. He, he was with Green Bay before he went to Philly. Not right. an offensive coordinator. He was the quarterback's coach and an assistant coach. That's right. But yeah, he was, with, he was with Green Bay. Then he went to Philly and became uh, head coach. Because he in was Philly. under Mike Holmgren in, being, in Green yeah. Bay, wasn't that? Yeah. Nah, I knew it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, props to... Uh, Andy Reid, so starting, all right, so now the season's over. So now we are officially in off-season mode, and when we do this show next week, we'll probably start to spend some time talking about some guys who may come or go, some Mm -hmm. potential free agents, where they might go in the draft. We're off-season mode, you know? But right now, when I look at this season in totality, this might sound like a cop-out, and I understand if it does especially to somebody if you're not a Bills fan, you might think this is a cop out. If it is, you can okay. be honest with me and tell me. Oh, I will. I'm going to look back at my biggest takeaway for this season, okay? And you know what to me was the most damaging thing that happened this season? Not counting the obvious where a player almost dies on the field, of right. course, or, you know, things like that or net massive injuries. To me, this season the way it played out, it might at the time it didn't feel like it. I've yeah. always said, Joe that people are always like, well, it's just one game. This ain't fucking hockey or baseball, where it's 82 or 162 games. It's only 17. Every game matters. A loss in football is like a bad entire week, week and a half in the NHL. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Where the Sabres go out and they lose, you know, f- four out of five. That's what it to me is like when you lose a an NFL football game. Yeah. I'm going to, considering everything that happened to the Buffalo Bills, near the end of the year, with the injury to Vaughn and DeMar, they were drained, they were spent. I'm going to go back to the Minnesota Vikings game when they had a three-score lead and blew that game. To me, that is the single most damaging thing that happened to this football team because, now they lost three games this year. They -hmm. lost to the Jets, they lost to Miami. They could have won those games, but I don't think they necessarily deserve to or should have. Right. Minnesota game was freaking over. Yep. You could point to a million different plays, but just two of them Cam Lewis on fourth and a million with Justin Jefferson. And I got it. If you're watching this on YouTube, I get mad. Ooh, get mad just looking mm-hmm. at this. If you're listening on the audio That's side, easier. pause this, go on YouTube and go to, I don't know, roughly the 53 minute mark or wherever. Justin Jefferson's got not even one full hand on the ball. Cam Lewis has two and didn't knock the ball down. Justin Jefferson comes down with the ball. That was the game right there. Minnesota had one timeout. The Bills pretty much could have ran the clock out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Even after that, they have some by some miracle or given a reprieve. Shaq Lawson stops Kirk Cousins on the half inch line fourth down. Get out of the end zone. Don't fumble the ball. Game is over. Josh Allen. What happens? They lose it Oh. yeah, they lose the game in overtime. It should have never happened. Mm-hmm. If the Bills win that game, Joe, they're the number one seed. And this is what I was talking about with the most damaging thing. This team at the end of the year, and they admitted it in the locker room. They were drained. They had nothing left. This team needed a rest so bad. They needed that bye. That's where I'm getting at with this. The Bills needed that bye. They needed a week. And forget about being at home field. I don't care. That, they proved it didn't mean nothing. But what meant something was they needed a week. To, to get right. Physically, three, four days, you get a bye, that's mm-hmm. four days where you're not practicing, four days when you're in the hot tub. Mentally, getting yourself right, this team needed rest and relaxation. They needed that bye week more than anything. They had nothing left. They were mm-hmm. running on fumes at the end of the year. The New England win with two Hines kickoff returns, that might be the only reason why they won that game. They barely beat a third string quarterback at home in the wild card round because they were running on fumes. They were out of gas. And then and imploded against Cincinnati. A good team just ran all over them, ran them out of their own stadium. Because they mm-hmm. were in part, Cincinnati is a great team. You right. and I both talked them up all year. Mm-hmm. But the Bills were on fumes. They needed that bye. They lost to Minnesota. They didn't get it. To me, that's yeah. the most damaging thing that happened all year.
1: The, I think that it's also the psychological shake from that game, too. Cause they were sure. up what three scores? Three scores. Three scores. Yeah. So Second and half. and then you lose it the way that they did. Yeah, I mean the Jefferson play. I mean the, the I mean geez, I totally forgot about that insane catch. Like that's probably catch that it's probably a catch that gets him MVP. You know, like offensive MVP or whatever, or whatever the hell he got it was. Pretty sure it was fourth and eighteen too. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was something. It was something bad. But you know the you know the, the goal line fumble after they get the stop. You know, I mean huge D stop. I mean that's that should have been the game. Like that that I mean that was the game. It was a and, game. And then oh, yeah, the stamp, Josh? Right. Yeah. then then to have that happen. And it's and it's not just it's not like Singletary fumbled it or you know uh He did in the second half though, did. by the way. Helped well, contribute yeah.
2: him blowing that three
1: score lead, but right. yeah, I know what you, you're right, man. But you know what I'm saying though. Like it's <laughs> yeah. it's not just somebody else fumbling it, turning it into a Viking touchdown. It's it's your guy. It's the guy. The guy who your entire offense centers around that just didn't get the snap, didn't you know, ball bounces everywhere, he doesn't get it. Like, it's that's a lot of like psychological damage, and literally zero of those players will say like that's the reason, you know that that's why you know we we didn't get far in the play. Nobody's gonna pick that out. Nobody's gonna say that. But it's a cumulative effect, you know. And it's the dominoes. It's what you said. It's the domino side of it. Like they lose that game, they don't get the top seed, they don't get the buy, um, and then even you know even still, if you're playing, you know, this is this is you know just assuming like you're you're playing like the AFC. Say if you get to the AFC title game, you're playing it in Atlanta, like whatever. No, they'd be playing in Buffalo because they would've right. been the top seed. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. So yeah, so I mean, I, it it's it, it is the snowball effect, but I mean it's it's so many ifs, ands, and buts because yeah, you're right. The Miami and the Jets games, like they played like they played like ass. They they kept turning the ball over to them. You know, everybody wants to blame nature for the Miami, like freaking whatever. Like they, Miami had guys passing out too. Like let's give me give me a break, but. um, but I mean, to go back and nitpick like games like that and say, like, that's why we lost. Like, no, there's a thousand reasons why you lost. Uh, the I biggest com- one is because he didn't show up against Cincinnati, but
2: completely agree. And I, I, again, I'm not I'm not one to make excuses for the Bills, but I do think that they I believe what they were saying. I think they were just emotionally drained and spent. You know, if Pat Moran and Joe Yerdin are the same age, you go to the same school and we're going to have a, a, a schoolyard fight and you and I are both pretty much equally skilled fighters. You very well might kick my ass. That might be your day. You might kick my ass. But I promise you, if I'm getting, you know, if, if I was sick for the last few days laying in bed and I feel weak and I'm just mostly I'm physically drained and I got nothing left, then you're really going to beat the shit out of me. Like, you know what I'm saying? If that makes any sense, I got to feel like that's how it Most was. I think the Bengals were as good or better than Buffalo. And I've said this many times, no matter what, but I – just think that it was not a fair fight from a Bills perspective because I just don't think that they had anything left to give. If they no, get that rest, they win that game, they beat Minnesota because they did not lose another game after the Vikings until they got pounded by mm-hmm. the Bengals, by the way. But if they get that rest, first of all, they're getting a week worth of rest, which again, to me, was the biggest thing. And then they're playing Jacksonville in the second round because they wouldn't have changed anything else the way the first round of the playoffs shaked out. That it would have been the Kansas City. Well. Hmm? That might not
1: have gone well. Jacksonville I mean, pretty awesome. sure
2: sure i mean you never know you, you'd right. never know but the bills would have been rested i i just think rest mental and, and and emotional rest was the biggest thing that really killed the bills at the end of the year i now,
1: just i do now i i said you don't want to make it a cop out i which i get i get and it, it sounds like one i admit it it, it. pretty much is yeah. but also like you're you're saying are you willing to give them a pass because of all that? Because if you are, you're basically saying, oh, no, nope, run it back again. We can beat them. We can beat them handily.
2: Um, Am I willing to give them a pass to an extent? So you're basically because?
1: saying like normal situation, this team can beat all of them. Yes, I do think that. I, I do. So you're back known. with the same crew after watching what Cincinnati did. oh, no,
2: no, no, no. no. I, I, I wouldn't say run it back with the 53 guys. Like, they, they, they need to improve. And we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks, coming weeks, what we really think they most need to improve at. So, no, no, I'm not saying they can run it back with this team one through 53. Okay. And necessarily win the Super Bowl. But I am saying it was unprecedented in what happened with DeMar Hamlin and what happened with their co-owners health that, you know, was a mystery oh. from what I hear. It was even a mystery to pretty much all of them as well. And the injury, Devon Miller ACL tear and this, the the blitz and all this other I mean, stuff. I do, that, you know. Hmm? Injuries happen. They do. They do. I would say the Vaughn Miller is the, the 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 lamest of the excuses. I, I will admit that because every team has significant injuries. Maybe not quite to that level, mm-hmm. but I get it. I just, I think there were a lot of just crazy factors this year. And when I look back at this season, that's what uh, I'll think. Real quick, before we get to one more break and talk Sabres, you're a Detroit Lions guy. And I got to tell you, man, I'm kind of like doom, not doom and gloom, but a little mysterious going into the season with the Bills. Like what? Is this team is this team a 13 and 3 team? Is this team a team that can win the Super Bowl if they don't have guys almost dying on the field and star players tearing their ACLs? I don't know. But if you're a Detroit Lions fan right now, dude, you're you're optimistic as shit. Right now, mm-hmm. today we're taping this Monday. The Detroit Lions are zero and zero, and so are 31 other teams around the league. They nearly made the playoffs last year. They were fun mm-hmm. to watch. They're 10th in salary cap space. They had the 6th pick and the 18th pick in the draft. So two Mm first-rounders, two good first-round picks, a real chance to maybe go get a couple good players, rookies on on the defensive side of the football to really kind of round this team into shape. Again, you got cap room to do some stuff in free agency. Mm -hmm. I think Jared Goff played well enough that you don't have to reach necessarily for a quarterback at 6. Like If you really love two guys and there's a third that you're like so-so on, you don't have to take that third guy now because I think Jared Goff played well enough to kind of erase that a little bit. Mm-hmm. You're a Joy Lions fan, man, and, and you are. It's a yeah. pretty good feeling to uh go into this offseason in the kind of shape that you're in.
1: Yeah, it's uh I know I, I know I was yelling at you on Twitter earlier this year when I was I was like, Don't you tell them to not draft a quarterback? But it looks like <laughs> the, the, of the five teams ahead of them, two of them are definitely getting quarterbacks. So sure if one of those two somehow fell into their lap at 6 i think they change they have to change a lot of what they're thinking because i because i it's going to be somebody on the defensive side i think with that 6 pick uh um, yeah i agree and i think even at 18 i think it's still going to be it's still going to be somebody on the d side um you can you can do something on the on the other side of the ball there but i think Trying to think, you know, maybe it's a lineman. I don't know. Like, you can always use O line help, but, uh, but their O line wasn't bad this past season. They were able to run. You know, the way they scheme up, scheme up the offense, like they they were able to block pretty well. Goff was pretty safe all season long. So oh, I was good I man. Tenae Stool is a friggin' great, great O lineman. What a pick that was a couple years ago. But. Um, but you know, they got like a massive guys on, you know, th- I hope they sign Jamal Williams back. I think they, they almost have to, he was such a spark plug for them. Uh, he's, he's, free a agent. he's a free agent. and like, I'd hate it if the, if he gets away, like, cause he's, I mean, Lions fans were able to rally around him just being so into it and being such a, I mean, an instant heart and soul guy on top of being like a total weirdo. Like he's, he's a weird he's dude. Fun. Like, I like he's fun. him one. I, Yeah.
2: I seen a happy hour um, Zoom with Tyler Dunn with with him a couple yeah. days ago. I'm like, this dude is wild, man. Yeah,
1: like big anime guy, like you know, loving mm-hmm. like uh, Naruto and all that. Like, it's it's he's hilarious. <laughs> I I think he's he's fantastic, and it makes sense why Green Bay got rid of him. They're like this guy. I don't know about this guy's gonna fly here. Aaron Rodgers probably chased him out of town himself. It was like this guy. What are you talking about, man? Get out of here. But <laughs> um, but I mean, like the the, the receiver wise, I mean, she's they, they've been able to like. Not necessarily plug guys in, but like, you know, what was it? Two years ago, like Marvin Jones was the guy uh, in there, along with you know, S- you know, St. Brown becomes you know rookie year, he breaks like team records and stuff, uh, and he did it again this year with with how well he played. Uh, they were able to trade Hawkinson, and it didn't turn into a disaster for him, which is blows me away because. Everything about their offense was like, no, oh, we need a tight end to go through. We need a guy to, to 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 be there to to take care of things. And then suddenly they didn't anymore. Right? How do what, what? Like, what are you doing? And then I don't know. The offense got a little bit more streamlined, got a little bit better as as they went on. But um, it's a really interesting offseason for them. and one where it's not where I'm just kind of like, it doesn't matter what they do, they're gonna suck. Like, there's you know, it looks like Green Bay's. I don't even want to get into the Rogers nonsense because that's just that's just feeding into the machine. Through him. Screw him. But like they're going to be like if they bring him back, he's going to be a pathetic. They're not. And, and if they get rid of him, OK, was Jordan Love going to do it his first year? You yeah. know, like whatever, Minnesota. I called them fake from the beginning. You're right. They are they phony contenders. I said it so early on in the season. I go, oh, these guys are not for real. You're they right. Not be for real. And I was 100% right. The Bears, man, I, Bears, Bears got to get some linemen to protect fields is what they got. They got They got do. to get, him some, gotta get him some guys around him too, but Fields is going to be good. Fields could be the, could be Hurts like with how he plays, way he's able to run uh and he can throw it a little bit too, but like they got no they have nobody around him to do anything and their defense is just blah. So uh, Bears are a mess. Bears are always a mess, but uh but the chance is there for Detroit to really get involved with things this year. And I, I you know, listen, I know Minnesota's going to be there. They're phony. That's a, pho- that's a phony team. I don't care what they do in the offseason. They're a phony team.
2: Sports fans who like to wager, which is pretty much everyone these days, I'm here to tell you about OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds, live, up to the minute, look no further than OddsTrader. Why is OddsTrader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does it matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw out some cash on them, you're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts. If you're betting the underdogs or profiting the most, if you're going to go with the favorites, odds trader also allows you to compare all the different signup codes and promos from the sports books to get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, the OddsTrader app gives you the player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. OddsTrader also has a bet tracker so that you can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, OddsTrader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're into betting on sports games, any sport by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash BlueWire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash BlueWire. OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. All right, I'm back with Joe Yerdin. I want to quickly remind you before we wrap up with some Sabers Talk. Starting next Thursday, we are going to be doing a live show. I'm going to be doing a live show every Thursday night at Imperial Pizza. 7.30 p.m. they will be live streamed on the Internet. I'm going to have a different guest every week. I'm um, kicking it off with Tyler Dunn. Got um, his book here, by the way. I have not read it. Blood and Guts. history. I'm probably the only person who has gotten this book who hasn't actually read it yet, but we'll <laughs> get forward to it. So I'm going to talk about the book with Tyler. He was at the Super Bowl in Arizona this week. It seemed like he had a story and his a go long Substack a, a thousand times. And I, I, I love Tyler. I've known him, worked with him actually since 2005 or 2006. Wow. We worked on a blog. This was before Tyler was a mainstream writer. Mm-hmm. We worked on a bills blog. I, I was a contributing writer. He was the one in charge. So anyway, got a nice long history with Tyler. I like him a lot. And what you're doing reminds me a lot. And I've told you this kind of the path that Tyler has went down mm-hmm. having his own sub stack and now you're doing the same thing with noted hockey as well. Hmm. Which, by the way, again, five bucks per month, 50 bucks per year. That is uh, pennies, peasy. man. It's pennies, man. It's pennies for the coverage that Joe gives you. But seriously, what you do, what Tyler does is, uh, you know, kind of similar in a lot of ways and just two easy people to uh, to root for. But anyway, and plus, by the way, I'm sure Joe will be up at uh, Imperial on one of those Thursday shows for some for reason, and sure. stuff like that. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. I like, as much as I love doing this with you every week, you know, like this, it's different when you know we have done shows together. Um, yeah. it's different when you're sitting down next to somebody and it's Absolutely. just a different vibe and it's a, it's a lot of fun, man. So anyway, stay tuned for that. Um starting on Thursday, February 23rd. All right, well, I guess we should probably talk a couple minutes <laughs> of Buffalo Sabres. Now look, man, when when you're doing maintenance day with Lance or whether you know you're writing about it and something you got enough hockey stuff. So I kind of like to fill your plate with some right. non-hockey. Stuff. I feel like it's a nice little break <laughs> for you as well to be able to do this podcast and talk about other things to prove to people that Joe knows more about just hockey, but anyway, we're taping this one. So the Sabres are actually, so by the time you're listening to this, uh, the Sabres would have played a race. I have no idea how that game going Sabres after dark. Um, The critical stretch for me, the the, uh, critical stretch of the season starts like right now Yeah, over the next two weeks. So they're in LA on Monday night. Um, Last night for people listening today, they're in Anaheim on Wednesday and then San Jose on Saturday. So three games on the West Coast this week and then next week, tough. Toronto at home next Tuesday and they're at Tampa next Thursday at Florida uh, the following Friday. And then they're at home against Washington on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Big games, man. Seven games. In the next two weeks, as we're taping this on Monday night, again, before the Sabres play the Kings, Buffalo was 26-21-4, 56 points. They're six points behind the Capitals, uh, five behind Pittsburgh, and they're also behind the Islanders and the Florida uh, Panthers now in the standings as well. But the Sabres have a game in hand over Pittsburgh. They have four games in hand over Washington, which is huge, four over Florida, and five over the New York Islanders. So, in many ways, the Sabres are very much in control of their destiny on how this shapes out You know, over the next full weeks. Yeah. Let me ask you this, because, I, again, they're on the road all this week, but then there are lots of critical home games coming up soon. Um, For me, and I'm sure you can elaborate on this a lot better than me, but I feel like a key for the Sabres right now is finding a way to play better at home. Like, why are... The Sabres are 15, 7, and 2 on the road this year. And again, not counting Monday night's game, and 11, 14, and 2 at home. I mean, that is a significant difference, Joe. Why are the Sabres playing so much better this year on the road than at home?
1: It's uh, This was brought up recently uh, uh with Don Granado. I'm just trying to figure out why. You know, like, what's the difference? And a lot of what Don says makes sense, where there's a little bit of extra pressure at home because. It, most games are not sold out, uh, and there's a little bit of pressure for the guys to put on a show. Like they want to impress everybody who's there. It's it's like the old uh, it's like the old Joe DiMaggio thing. There, it's like you go you go all out every game because somebody might be watching you play for the first time, and you want to, you don't want them to go away thinking like, "Well, that guy's a bum." Like there's there's a little bit of pressure like that with with some of the guys, and you can see it in the way they play because they'd be passing up shots which would look like, look like they should be good opportunities to try to set somebody else up for, for something that might look a little bit prettier on the, the highlight reel or get people fired up or you know what, what have you. But uh, there's definitely a little bit of that with this team because they're young. They're young. They love the crowd getting involved. They love the, everybody getting hype. Uh, and the best way to do that, I mean, the easiest way to do that is just flat out score goals, period. Right. Uh, but, but doing it with something that you can rewind and replay all the time and, and just be like, wow, I can't believe that. That's amazing there's a little something to that because you want to get the crowd pumped up. You want to get them going. Like that's just, it's just natural. It's just natural to, to, to want to do that. And I think that that plays a part into it. I think there's, you know, it, it's a little bit, I mean, it's not even like they're getting beat on matchups. It's not like, you know, Granado's getting out coached at home, you know, where some, you know, where he's putting the wrong guys out against the other team or any of that. It's, that has nothing to do with that. Um, but I think there's just a little bit of pressure there to 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 want to do it more at home and do it better uh, at home because you want to you want people to leave to leave the arena going I got to come back or mm-hmm. you know, hey maybe we're gonna get seasons next year or something like that they're not actively thinking about that they you know ticket sales whatever they're not players aren't thinking about that stuff but getting that home ice advantage though that's a whole different kind of thing like that's you want to have a loud crowd because they the players feed off of it. Like they sure. flat out the the crowd gets going, man, they, the, the legs get moving faster. The hits are a little harder and the the scoring chances are a little bit more plentiful when that, when that goes on. So I, I, I think there's, I think there's a, a part of that. Whereas on the road, you, you don't have that stress. You're, you want the, you want to silence the crowd. You want, you want people to boo. Like you get off on guys booing you or fans booing you because you're just like, good. Yeah. Hate us. Great. We're going to score, make you boo us more. Like that's, you know, kind of embracing the, uh, you know, the heel role there, but, uh, but at home, you know, guys, guys, guys want it bad. You know, they're young. Like it's, it, it, there's a lot to be said about the youth. And and I think there's a big part of that where it's like, we want to put on a show, you know, we want to, we want to score like the insane highlight goal that everybody's going to be talking about. And, uh, you know, sometimes that gets against you because when you, when you pass up scoring opportunities and it goes the other way and it goes in your net, then the heads come down, and they're just kind of like, oh, man, you know, this sucks. This is bad. And then they, they get, maybe get caught dwelling on it. And then suddenly it's in their net again, which is kind of what happened against Calgary. Like, they, you know, they give up the one goal and they're just like, oh, that's ah, 2-1. This sucks. Like, ah, I hate that we did that. And, you know, it was a really nice goal, too. It was a really pretty goal. And then the second one gets scored and you're like, uh-oh. Right. We go. And then things snowball from there. And, you know, bad things can happen. It happened against Carolina. Oh, the Carolina outclassed. Buffalo in that game, but Calgary game was more like Calgary game. Uh, like you can almost wipe it away. I, I wrote about this a little bit on on noted hockey, but like those th- those being the last two games that fans have gotten to watch, it's like well, one featured one of the best teams in the NHL uh, against the team that was like, boy, break's coming soon. Let's <laughs> let's let's get ready. Let's get ready to go to the beach and just get run off the ice. Whereas the Calgary game was first game in a week over a week. Uh, you know, guys had a couple of practices and whatever, but like nothing prepares you for getting back up the speed of the game. And Carolina or uh, excuse me, Calgary had already played a game or two, including one of the games of the year against New York, like two nights before. So, you know, they were ready. They were, you know, kind of pissed about losing that game. So they are, they came in fired up and you get behind a Daryl Sutter team, man, it's going to be a hard road to get back in the game. And they just, they just weren't able to do it.
2: You, um, all right. So let me preface this one last time that we are taping this Monday early in, evening, a couple hours before the Sabres play in LA. I hate projecting things that by the time people hear it might end up being old news, but it's worth noting that at practice, and I'm sure going into this game on Monday night that Granado has made some line changes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Tage Thompson, I was getting like a and, and middle stat, at least for yep. Monday practice. And again, this might be a moot point. They might go back to what they what's worked for them with the top line. By the time you're listening or watching this on Tuesday, I guess I'm just asking you if you're a little bit surprised that he's tinkering with lines right now, or not, or maybe you just think it's a
1: smart thing to do. I think it's worth doing right now. Because um, I mean, obviously, nothing really seemed to look good against Calgary, and that you know it's tough to judge off of that because again, first game in over a week, right? Um, but there's been, you know, going back before break, a handful of games there beforehand where you're like, "Eh, things seem to be a little bit off and he was kind of playing with stuff before and got a look at, you know, some other took, took a look at some other things and decided, you know, got a little bit into the game and he's like, nah, let's go back to what was, what we were doing before, um, playing around with it this time. Like I, I kind of get it. Like, you know, cousins has been playing very well been playing very hard so putting him with with uh with skinner and Tuck, like i get it like that's that's a hard physical line too like tuck can throw the body cousins loves throwing the body skinner's a pain in the ass so like that's that's a good way to kind of get the kings a little bit pissed off and you know back on their heels maybe um and it's still a dangerous offensive line thompson with oppozo and middle stat is fascinating for me because casey's played better you know, whether fans want to admit it or not, he has played better. Mm-hmm. But he and Pozo have have vibed pretty well in the past, uh, and Kyle's Kyle's played pretty well too. Uh, it's just it's really hard on that with that with the you know with Krebs and with Gergensen. It's really hard to generate a lot of offense there, just because the defensive assignments are a little tougher. Uh, and I think that's a big part of why you kind of spread things out a little bit because. You need to have the better defense on the road because you don't get the the matchups you want. Uh, so that's why Asplund gets back in for Paterka. Uh, was it Asplund and... Oh man! So oh, Olofsson. like that's that's your that's your trio there. I get it. You know Asplund and Olofsson, they work pretty well together in the past. Jost has been so you know has been awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that makes sense. And then Quinn Quinn Krebs and Gergensen with the with the fourth unit. That one's really interesting for me because it's not your traditional you know, checking line setup because Quinn's an offensive guy. Krebs Krebs is turning into a really solid two-way type player, um, and his defensive game is much better. And Gergensen's is your, is your hard body you know, four-checker type. So I think you want to... The idea here, I think, is to kind of spread out the defensive responsibility among the four lines and still have offense to go with that um because you still get it with with cousins with Tuck and Skinner now mind you this might all be uh, again like like you said Pat this might all be moot and they change back to the normalized right but it's- halfway through the game uh, <laughs> uh on monday night but um but i get what he's doing here because it's making sure that there's somebody that's going to be accountable on the defensive side so that there's not a slip up or uh they they get overmatched in some way by by the opposition because it's one thing Kings have had to outscore teams all season long because their goaltending has been awful. Like Quick has been horrible. Phoenix Copley has been slightly better. Cal Peterson's in the AHL, still getting his getting his game together. So they have a hard time keeping the puck out of their net, and it's not because of anything. Everybody in front of them does. Those guys play extremely well. Just just the worst shots sometimes get past them. So uh, so, but they come out and attack. So you can't afford to have a line where you're going to have a mismatch because they got guys one through four in their lineup that can really can really knock you around. I mean they're a physical team, but they can score. You know, Kopitar's incredible. I mean, Jesus, that guy. That guy might play for another 10 years the way the way he bows. He's 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 amazing. Um and <laughs> it's going to be a hard go for them to win faceoffs. Uh, Kopitar's awesome, Denoe is amazing. Uh it's yeah, I, I know we're going to be. Ta- I'm talking about this in the future sense, and it's going to be all past sense by the time you hear it, everybody. But, <laughs> um, but I, but I get what they I get what he's doing here. I think it's it's to make sure butts are covered on the D side of things, really. Sure. I, I'm just
2: you know I, I'm really excited about this team. So we're heading into mid February. By the way, Happy Valentine's Day, I guess. Yeah. Everybody watches That's, whatever. Whatever. Enjoy your candy <laughs> and yeah, enjoy your candy and your other. <laughs> Um, bullshit. <laughs> Hallmark holiday stuff. So, anyway, it's not a little bit bitter there. But in all seriousness, so we're in mid-February, and this is all I could have asked for six months ago. Mm-hmm. Stretch of games that matter. I'm really excited. Now the NFL's over. I'm literally all in mm-hmm. on hockey now. You know, the Sabres have me excited, and these games are going to be a lot of fun to watch, and they mean a lot, and it just feels really good to go into the trade deadline time, which is approaching now. Mm-hmm. And usually I'm looking at, all right, well, what sabers are penning free agents that they're going to try to get something for, you know, at the deadline now it might be the other way around. So yeah. there's a lot of things to be excited about. And uh, it's a lot of fun to watch last thing. And, and then we'll, we'll get going here. One thing I want to start doing on this podcast when I have you, when we have a chance anyway, is having parting shots. Like it could be about anything that we talked about today or just something that's on your mind. Sports pop culture, TV life, whatever it may be. We'll just have a parting shot each for the week. I'm kind of throwing yeah. this at you. That's not like I've given Joe like time like, to like like really uh, think about uh, anything uh, that he wants to leave uh, our <laughs> audience with. Well, I'll start first. I'll give you a couple seconds to think. For me, it's um, I want to encourage Buffalo Bills fans out there to just approach this offseason with a little bit of balance. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Like this is not a football team right now that – can running back, and you. we talked about this a half hour ago, and you told me, can this team run it back? No. They, they do need some help. They need to get better on the offensive line. I think they need another weapon. If they lose Jordan Poyer, which I think very well may happen, it's going to leave a hole at safety. We don't know what's going to happen with DeMar. Um, the Bills have had a pretty mixed bag of results with draft picks over the last few years, early draft picks. I think you're going to be relying on a lot of young players to be better next year. Point being is this. Be realistic about the team. They're not, they're not, the Kansas City Chiefs are, are the team to beat right now. And they will be as long as Patrick Mahomes is healthy. Point blank period of end of story. All right. So let's be realistic. This team, I, I sat there and said, if they beat the Vikings, they, they get the top seed in a bye and they get the rest and maybe they wouldn't. So, and maybe they do. We'll never know. But my point is this, this team's got some work ahead of them. So you got to be balanced, but at the same token, the sky's not falling either. You know, they won 13 games last year, Joe. They went 13 and three despite everything that happened. Okay. They've been, they've won the division the last few years. They're one of the best teams in the NFL. Their roster from 1 to 53 is right up there with the very best teams in the league. There's a lot to be excited for to so kind of have some balance. You know, like the sky's not falling, but they got work to do as well. And I say this because it's always one or the other on social media and it's such a freaking headache. It's only February. They haven't even signed anybody, or we haven't even done real mock drafts yet. And all this other shit. But just have a little bit of balance if you're a Bills fan when it comes to how you perceive this team. And last thing too, coaches, you can love Ken Dorsey and Fraser, you can hate them. They ain't going nowhere.
1: Be mm-hmm.
2: so used to it because they're going to be back this year. So have some balance, Buffalo Bills fans.
1: Yeah. Um I' it, trying to come up with a with a parting shot here. I'll uh, I'll get into we got talking about lions before one of my teams. One of my mm-hmm. other teams is the New Orleans Pelicans, and I know we never talk NBA. I love it though, um, Go ahead, man. Oh yeah, but let me tell you how bummed out I am about Zion Williamson having another setback with his hamstring. Like this dude is just, and it's he's I, I, I hate using the word curse, but man, oh man, just it's one thing after another for him, and he was playing incredible ball this year sure. Like tw- 20 26 points a game something like that pelicans were like one of the most exciting teams to watch them and Ingram and all these guys and now it's they're talking about weeks you know being out for weeks after the all-star break which is what this weekend i think it is coming up mm-hmm. it's such a bummer it's such a it's such a bummer because it was like wow the, the times come they're gonna it's time for them to like start rising up in the west now i mean granted changes now with Kyrie going to Dallas and you know, everything that was going on, you know, with, with the trades and the stuff and, you know, Durant going to Phoenix, like Jesus, like, come on. Um, But it's, it's such a, it's such a bummer to have, to have your team where it's like, oh, they're out are They're getting there. Like they're fun. They're doing all this stuff. And then Zion's out again. And you're just like, oh, come on, catch a break for once, please. I just, I want to see him. I want to see him get to the, I mean, there's yeah. they're still like in a post-season type spot. Uh, they were way up and they were way up in the West before they went, they had a dreadful January, like, you know, him, like Zion and Ingram and a handful of other guys were out. And it's like, Oh, come on, catch a break, please. Just yeah. if he can get healthy and get back before the end of the regular season. And I don't know, maybe they can go on a run in the play in games and, and get, get hot again. But, uh oh, it's such it's such a depressing letdown because it was like oh they're playing so well
2: it, it, it is, and I'll tell you, man, New Orleans is a fun team to watch, and Zion is one of the most fun players to watch yeah. in the NBA. It really is a shame, and I hope to go. Co- no, I remember Joe Embiid for a handful of years. It seemed like he yeah. could never stay healthy, but now look at him. He's been healthy the last couple of years, and he's a, he's an MVP candidate the
1: last couple of years. Hopefully, we'll get Dude that. guys, man. I'm telling you.
2: Yeah, for sure. All right, guys, make sure, again, go to notedhockey.substack.com. Um, Check out Noted. I and see what Joe's got to offer. Again, 5 bucks per month. I mean, come on, man. 50 bucks a year. Mm-hmm. Cannot go wrong. If you're a Sabres fan, to me, this is absolutely uh, a must-have for you. I do want to say, too, one other thing, too. Uh, if you're listening to this on podcast form, it's always available the next morning. If you are watching this on YouTube, this actually is going to be put up. I'm starting to do this now. I probably should have told you this. <laughs> I'm premiering these videos at night. Not sure quite what time. It depends on what that. time we take. So, these will actually be premiering tonight. So, if you want to catch this on YouTube, you can actually watch this before it actually drops the next day in podcast form. Again, make sure you subscribe and like and hit that little bell next to uh, the the my name, Talking Buffalo Podcast, because then the notifications will come, and I'll tell you what time it's premiering and all that other stuff. I just wanted to throw that out there. But anyway, thank you guys very much for watching. I
1: appreciate you all. Appreciate you, Joe Yurden thank you thank you pat moran and uh you know listen subscribe to to noted because it's my birthday sunday you want to you want to get me a nice gift that's a subscription is the best way to do it oh shit happy early birthday bud thank you man i'm mark chapman welcome to the planet premier league podcast